All right, welcome back. We continue on taking you up until 6 o'clock here tonight. Jimmy B and TC minus Jimmy B today. He's off doing well, what he says is work. But uh, I can turn my attention to to fun people to talk about and talk with, and that's one of my favorites, Wolfgang, who joins us on the program today. Down south, though, Wolfgang, not uh, coming to us from Des Moines today. A little vacation, a little work. What's What's going on down south? Well, down here, I heard you talking about the uh, Golden Homer the other day. They call yeah. me the Black and Gold Homer down here. Oh, yeah. Well, I can see that. I can see that all the time, Wolfgang. I haven't been down here a ton, but I've already, I've already got a rep. They come right up to me, and they don't even waste time anymore, Trent. <laughs> you're, you're known before you even walk in the building. So you got your, you're, you're flying your black and gold, and you're wearing your Hawkeye colors, and those Sooner fans and Cowboy fans in Oklahoma are probably saying, what's the deal with this Yankee from up north? Yeah, they don't get it, and they actually have a respect for Iowa because there's been a decent amount of connections with Oklahoma and Iowa. Obviously, they love Bobby Stoops. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been other assistant coaches, Chuck Long, I think Jonathan Hayes, other guys that you could probably remember. They're not a big fan of Bobby Stoops' uh, younger brother, Mike Stoops. Not a big fan of that guy at all. They're ready for him to leave. I did get that much out of him. But it was funny because I was trying to get some inside information from some of these guys. I get to talk to Oklahoma quite a bit, Oklahoma fans. But I also like to get outside my circle and talk to some of them when I go to other places. And I wanted to talk Oklahoma football, but I couldn't even get into that with them. They're so pumped about Baker Mayfield. They're sitting here breaking down the Cleveland uh, Browns roster for me. The game was on a couple nights ago. They were replaying uh, the game that had happened a few days earlier. The crowd was getting into it like they didn't know what was going to happen. And i got to be honest with you, Trent, I wasn't 100% sure with Baker Mayfield his junior year if he was going to be able to be a success in the NFL. I saw him. He was a little bit too crazy back there. He'd do figure eights, and it was a little bit too much video game-type football for me. But I watched him last year in his senior year, watched him enough to go, okay, this guy can do it. He stayed in the pocket more, um, which is funny because when he ran his 40-yard dash time, they all made fun of him, Trent. They were like, 4-8-something? Please, this guy's a joke or something. He just knows when to run, Trent. He kind of gets it. This is when I run it. This is when I don't run it. And if you watch that preseason game, which I have never and I mean ever been more pumped for a night of preseason football than watching Baker Mayfield, watching Saquon Barkley. That night was unbelievable. I haven't even got that pumped for like a regular season NFL in a while. That's how pumped I was. And it looks to me like he could do I still wouldn't have taken him one, I don't think, even after what I saw. I probably still wouldn't do that. But the dude, he's got something. And I knew some people, if you listened to him, they were going to go, well, he was only 11 for 20. Well, you didn't watch the game. Because if you actually watched the game, you knew there were two drop passes, clearly dropped passes. So there's 13 out of 20. There was another one he threw away on purpose. And if you, if you just look at 11 to 20, yeah, okay, he had, a, he had an okay game. Nothing special. But then you look at, look at it a little bit deeper. He ran for four first downs, Trent. He actually ran for three, and then another one was a quarterback sneak. So it was like third and three, third and five, fourth and two. And he's running for first downs. That's all you need. You don't need to be Michael Vick. You don't need to be Randall Cunningham. So would I still, you know, draft him first? I don't know. But what I saw out of him, I was pumped, and the people around here in Oklahoma are pumped, and they want him to start right away, and I think he should. should you, what do you think? No, no, I don't think he should start right away. Tyrod Taylor's a good quarterback. Tyrod Taylor took the Buffalo Bills for the first time in almost two decades to the playoffs. Are there issues? Sure. I mean, he's not great. But I would certainly ease him in. And when the, the Browns are inevitably 1-5, something like that, then you throw Baker Mayfield in there. But no, I wouldn't throw the, the, the Wolf out there right away. I would be waiting. It would be different 
at the quarterback with somebody that I didn't have a lot of trust in. But Taylor, Tyrod Taylor's fine. I, I wouldn't thrust him in there right away, no. And I do agree with you on Tyrod Taylor. I think he is good, obviously, taking the Bills to the playoffs last year. Talked to some Bills fan probably six months ago. And I was telling him, I don't, I don't understand why you guys got rid, of, got rid of Tyrod Taylor. He's a good quarterback. He's like, yeah, that's what all you guys think. But don't watch him. <laughs> and that, that, you know what I mean? Because you yeah, know how you're, yeah. you know more about your teams than you just watch the highlights and stuff. And I'm, mm-hmm. that's always kind of stuck with me that he said, yeah, all you guys that just watch the highlights. Yeah, I, I get why you say that. He, he wasn't being mean to me or cocky or a jerk. Sure. He was just like, yeah, I understand why you say that. But this is a guy that literally watched every minute of Buffalo Bills, you know, for 15 years. So I always found that interesting. In my in my opinion, let's just go. Let's get this done. Let's get the let's get it going. Maybe not game one, fine. Game two, game three. Let's just get it going. We know he's going to be the quarterback of the future. Yes, we know Tyrod Taylor's pretty good. They're not making the playoffs, Trent. They're not making the playoffs. So say it costs them a game or two. Who cares? Then you get better draft picks next year. Let's just get this going. Get it started. Um, let him start building chemistry with the team. I don't know how good they're going to be looking at their offensive line, looking at stuff like that. You've got to be able to protect your offensive line or your quarterback, and he will slowly get better. So maybe you're right, but if they're going to start some of these other rookie quarterbacks, I don't, I don't – Baker's everybody, even the people that don't like Baker say, well, he's kind of ahead of everybody. He probably should start before some of these other guys. I would say let's just get it started. Let's get it going and, and figure it out. You know it could get ugly if Tyrod Taylor loses the first couple games and doesn't look good. It could actually get ugly, and it kind of stinks for him because he sounds like a good guy. He's there at 5.30 in the morning. What do you think of the Cleveland coach? Did you watch the uh, yeah. reality show on HBO at all? Yeah, I'm a big Hard Knocks fan. I'm excited about tonight when we get to see it again. And uh, talking about Tyrod's there at 6 every morning. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. I think it's at 5.30. Yeah. So what, do you, what do you take on that? I, somebody said, yeah, that's just you trying to look like. That's not how everybody works. Not sure. everybody gets their best work at 5.30 in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I understand. And first of all, people think he was late. He was not late. He was late for him. He wasn't as early. He wasn't, quote, as early as he wanted to be. People think he was late for practice. No, he wasn't. He just wasn't as early as he likes to be. People have totally taken that out of context. context. And the fact that he did that on TV, some of this stuff, you watch this coach stuff, Trent, it's like some of the coaches I respect so much, like Kirk Ferentz and other guys, and then other coaches I just watch and I go, I remember a long time ago Steve Young said something to the effect of, the effect of he knew, like, his last couple of years, he just had to get out of the sport because he'd listen to these coaches and he'd just roll his eyes. He's like, I've heard that. Heard that. Come on, come up with something better than that. Really? Come on. I remember Steve Young saying that. And some of these guys, if you listen to it, if you watch Hard Knocks over the years, you see some of these guys and you just go, it's just pukey, dude. Don't you think? Some of these things that coaches do that they think still work. A lot of coaches, uh, yeah, you, you learn more about them and it's not a positive look that you get. I, I completely agree with that. There are plenty of times that... You go back, and I think as bad as you feel for Hugh Jackson and you know what he's gone through, losing his mother, losing his brother, you know during that time period, watching Hard Knocks last week, he's one in thirty-one as a head coach, and and some of the things that he said and and laid it on the line, and, and I thought that was very interesting too, is him talking to his assistant coaches and basically saying, I don't care what you think, I'm doing things my way. That can rub uh, uh, people the wrong way, I am sure. Did you see when he had when he got the, when they came in and somehow he had told the coaches they were watch, breaking down film and I don't know if they cut this to make it look bad but it made the assistant coaches look like a bunch of jerks because he essentially had just told them that his mom passed away 
and that his sister had passed away, what, within the month or something like that, or very recently, and they, they went, oh, sorry to hear that, went right back to looking at game film. I mean, can you at least pretend like you care? Do they <laughs> hate him or something? I, I don't know if... if... You, you don't remember that. You don't remember going... Like, if somebody told me their mom just died and they just lost their sister a couple days before, I think we'd take five minutes here and not just, oh, let's start to hear that boom, eyes right back on game film. Yeah. That was, that was odd, man. It was. It and by was. the way, the people that don't know what we're talking about, it's actually free on YouTube. Oh, you really? Go to YouTube and see that first episode. So huh. if people are like, well, I can't afford, you know, HBO, blah, 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 or I don't get HBO and don't want to get it, you can go and watch that uh, first episode on YouTube as well. Oh, nice. Uh, that, that's a good little plug there. And, and people uh, can get indoctrinated into episode one of Hard Docs. And it's interesting, entertaining, I think, every single year. And I'm into it. I, I'm into it. I ha- always have a soft spot in my heart for the Cleveland Browns on top of it. That was my grandpa's team. Uh, he passed away right before the, the first of the back-to-back AFC Championship games against the Broncos, and well, that's why I hate the Denver Broncos is because of that. So <laughs> so though I'm a Bears fan, I, I always uh, am rooting a little bit for the Cleveland Browns too. Hasn't been a whole lot to root for throughout the years, but but uh, that's a team that, that I'm always interested in, and they got to get rid of those jerseys. Boy, are those things awful. Oh, it's, and it's funny, again, talking to the people out here in Oklahoma, again, love Baker Mayfield. They love him. They love him. They go, even I can't pinch my hose, you know, nose and swallow hard enough to buy one of those home jerseys. Ugh. So they're probably going to buy the away jerseys. There's just no way. They're so ugly. They are. So ugly. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Well, with that, Wolfgang, uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up here, we're going to talk to you, bring you in for a couple of segments. We're going to get into some Hawkeye and Cyclone talk here in just a little bit. But before that, Sunday Tiger Woods, his performance at the PGA shoots a 64 uh, a reliving of some great times. I found myself remembering some of the great moments, and it was different. It's this older guy going against the young guns. To me, it felt different, but I really was entertained on Sunday. Your thoughts on Tiger Woods and making a run again at another major, back-to-back times now, he finishes in the top five. Yeah, I, I freaking loved it. Um, the last time when he finished in the top five, I was – Trying to my, I was trying to figure out if I was rooting for him or not. I, I couldn't figure out consciously if I, if I was rooting for him. I kept going through it back, you know, back and forth in my head. And then he missed a shot, and I was in front of people, and I almost cursed right in front of him and got mad. And I go, "Oh, I guess I'm rooting for him." I wasn't quite sure that I was rooting up, rooting for him up to that point. This one, I was clearly rooting for him. I knew it. It was in. I knew that I wanted him to win bad. It just makes everything so much more interesting. It makes everything better. And what do we do? And I don't know if this is just an American thing. I have no idea if this is an American thing, if they a homo sapien thing, if they do this on other planets or if they do this in other countries. I don't know, but we do this in America. Well, we'll build you up. You're the greatest thing we've ever seen. You're a god. I mean, my gosh, you're the greatest ever. And then, boom, we'll, we'll bury you alive. He beats you over the head over, over and over and over again until we get tired. And then we want to resurrect you right now. And that's what you're seeing right now. And I think if you saw some of the people that were following you, it was insane. And I'm listening to the PGA, um, PGA channel. and listening to some of these people that have been following golf forever, that have won majors, are saying they're getting goosebumps watching some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you know, that's not me or you talking. These are people that have been in the sport, that have been sex- successful, that have been following it. And they're telling me they're getting goosebumps listening to the roar, listening to seeing Tiger give each other, you know, some people, you know, high fives actually on the course while he's playing. 
while he's going through, you know, galleries and stuff like that. They say he never does that. He might do it before or after. He doesn't do it during. He's like, one of the guys was saying, yeah, he just gave like 10 people high fives or knuckles as he's walking through there. He's like, he was asking the other lady and the other guys, like, do you ever remember seeing that during actually when he's playing? And they were like, not very often. <laughs> so I don't know, man. So I, it's, it's fun to watch. I was getting amped. I was, some of, some of it we watched, some of it we were in the car while we were driving around and, it was just weird. It was just fun to watch. And we're sitting here thinking about, you know, is he... I told you I had a conversation with some people about it, and it was fun to have with people in their 20s and then their parents and stuff like that. You know, is he back? And I'm trying to figure out, because I've heard that, you know, in sports radio, or I've heard that on TV, and now I'm hearing that, you know, from friends and stuff, and I, I don't know what that means. You know me, I like to define the term, what do you mean by back? Because if we mean as the most dominant human being in any sport ever... Again, I'm not the hugest of huge golf fans ever. I'm not an expert. But in his prime, and I'm not, I didn't watch Jack Nicholas. okay? So I don't know. I didn't watch all those people. So I'd have to talk to older people like that that would know. But I'm comparing him to other athletes, and that will, that's what we were starting to do. When you are basically even money, aren't you a Vegas dude? Yeah. You love to put some money down. Yeah. Back in his heyday, wasn't it basically Tiger or the field? Yeah, yeah, it'd be... Eh, the juice would be a little bit different, but yeah, basically it'd be minus one ten on the field, minus one ten on Tiger. Take who you want. You want the one hundred and fifty guys. Or you want the one guy, and more times than not, taking the one guy was the way to go. So we started, to, and I started discussing that again, not as a golf expert, but a guy that was really getting pumped into it and followed Tiger all these years. And I don't know if Tiger's considered the greatest ever. I think you can be the greatest ever without winning the most majors. Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I, Serena is considered the greatest tennis player ever. She's still one shy of some lady that won all of hers from 1960 to 1975. Sorry. I consider Serena better than some gal that won them in 1960 to 1975. But um, I, don't, I don't know if the golf experts, if, if that can't happen. If he wins two more, Trent, you listen to some of these golf snobs. Can they, would they actually ever consider Tiger the best ever, let's say, if he wins two more and comes up too, too shy of Jack? Hmm, two more. So we're talking about he would be up. Yeah. So are you saying all? Are you saying like all majors are equal in time frame? It doesn't matter about the depth of talent. It doesn't matter the fact that there's way more talent overseas and in foreign countries now. None of that matters. Well, that's where I was going to go. Is the time period and the, even now? I mean, look at Tiger. Ten years ago, he shot the best score he ever has in a losing effort at a major tournament. The depth mm-hmm. of talent now compared to a decade ago or 15 years ago, really when he was in the middle of that heyday, it's completely different. And the reason for that is Tiger Woods. And the depth of talent is a lot better, was a lot better during throughout the early part of Tiger Woods because of what Jack Nicklaus did. And you can kind of keep stacking these on top of each other year after year. Anymore, you know, Jack Nicklaus, he was at a level and Arnold Palmer was at a level because of what they could do with endorsements where they didn't have to sell insurance during the offseason. You know, they didn't have to go back to their hometown and, and, and do a side job. That was the case, though, for golfers back in that day. Different eras are different to stack up, but there is nothing. Tiger Woods, you cannot even come close to comparison of his impact on the game. So much greater than Jack, so much greater than Arnie, so much greater than anybody today. Tiger stands alone in that metric. Yeah, Jack Nicklaus didn't have to go against um, a lot of the Black golfers back then, either. Well, 
<laughs> I see what you did there. That, that's a good one, Wolfcake. That's a good one. Sorry, sorry, I just heard that. They were talking about Babe Ruth, and they did that. I was trying to apply that to golf. It didn't work, did it? Not, not so much. Not so much. With so that, anyway, I was trying to decide just how dominant Tiger is. So we were, I know Jimmy B likes wealth, right? Of course. But I, yeah. Even at Christmas. I'm sorry, man. I'm trying to get away from this crap, but I'm like half a block away now, Trent. Everywhere I go, people starting cars and semis. No, you're sounding good. You're sounding good. I'm going to hand him the phone and ask him if he wants to do radio. Can we make a memory here? <laughs> you're sounding good. You're all You're all good. I can't even hear no. anything. Your phone. It's, it's better when I get fired today. up, so just let me go. Jeez, man. Put a muffler on that thing. <laughs> Wolfgang's yelled at people. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back. You want to talk a little Hawkeyes with me? You lead the way, brother. Let's do it. We're doing it next as we continue on. Jimmy B and TC with you until 6 o'clock tonight. We're brought to you in part by Bennigan's on Merle Hay Road. Stop out, see Greg and his great staff looking for dinner tonight. Maybe after work, drink, whatever it may be. Bennigan's with the game always on in their new signature menu. A big thank you to Bennigan's, a presenting sponsor on 1700 Bennigan's on Merle Hay Road. Back with more in a moment. Back with more Wolfgang as we continue on. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Wolfgang, want to talk some Hawks with you. Got to uh, see, well, the only time we'll see the Hawkeyes before their first game, September 1st, against Northern Illinois. Kids Day practice and uh, a couple of interesting nuggets, I think, that came out of that. Got to hear some name of some youngsters that, that are taking a step forward. Julius Brents looks like he's in the mix at one of the cornerback spots. Certainly as a backup, Tyler Lindebaum inside a defensive tackle. We've talked about the suspensions. We've talked about this team and, and how good Northern Illinois has a chance to be in that first one. But uh, Wolfgang, any takeaways from you? Anything that you heard, read? saw at Kids Day that got you pumped up or a little nervous? Well, this is going to be, I think, a fun kind of angle this year in terms of what we're talking about now because you brought up Brent, you, you brought up Lindebaum on the interior defensive line, and I heard Caker yesterday with, with you say they were even maybe considering uh, putting him at center. Did you hear him say that yourself? Yeah, yeah, he was a guy that had the flexibility, either offensive line or defensive line. I think he's got a home at D-tackle, D though. Well, and that's good to hear. So, in other words, the new angle this year, obviously, being able to play four games without having to redshirt. Mm -hmm. So, I think maybe this year we actually have to dig a little deeper into the true freshmen. How quick can they um, get the offense, get the defense, get their bodies, understand what it's like to play with live ball and with all the, the other guys. And there was also the kid from South Dakota. Did you hear about him? True freshman linebacker. And I can remember reading about him. I can't remember. Somebody that I respect. Basically said, watch out for this guy. This was when we signed him over South Dakota State, I believe, Trent. Yes. Another one of those stories that's probably going to happen. I can see it already happening. He's going to be that guy that we go, wow, thank God we offered him like a Dallas Clark. Like all those guys, Josie Jewell, we have Bob Sanders. So many of these guys we finally, last second, decided to offer. They're the, basically the, the foundation of what made this program where it is. So it'll be fun to watch some of the true freshmen to see what they do. Um Looking at the Juco running back, everybody seems to love this kid. I can't wait to see him. If they're comparing him, you got to be careful of this, because I loved watching this guy run. Mm -hmm. Absolutely loved run. So I, I love comparisons, and I hate him at the same time. But the Juco kid, they're comparing to Fred Russell. Have you seen any? What Do you, do you buy that? I, uh, I, I've been a lot more impressed than I anticipated. You know, going back whenever it was, a little over a month ago, when we first heard the name of Kai Sargent, it, it felt like, uh, just kind of a throw-in. You know, we there were a lot of questions if he was even going to be a scholarship guy. 
that was an initial question for a lot of people because, well, he was uh, an unsigned guy sitting there in June and in July. I mean, nobody had given him an offer. So that was a question I know, Wolfgang, that, that I had and a lot of other people had. He's not a breakaway guy. He is not... He doesn't have Akram Wadley type speed, but neither did Fred Russell. He's a small guy hiding behind the offensive line. I like that. I, I think there's a chance here, and this goes from what's the depth going to be like? We talked about hey, maybe Henry Guile can come in, a true freshman. He can do something for him, or Samson Evans. And that doesn't appear to be the case now. They have three guys that they're confident in. I do, I do think from what I've heard, Ivory Kelly Martin, boy, that guy runs hard. And and going back to last season, he made some mistakes, as true freshmen normally do. He runs hard, has good speed. Torin Young, you can hand him the football. He can do some good things. He's got the big size. It, it feels like we're kind of maybe morphing into what we had a couple of years ago with Iowa football, where you saw three running backs, LaShawn Daniel, Acker, Wadley, kind of guys that can do a couple of different things, threw another back in there. It feels like that's the direction they're heading I don't think you're going to see one running back get 60% of the carries here or anything like that. I don't think it'll be a third for each of them either, but they have different options and different guys that can do some things. I'm not nearly as concerned with the run game as I was coming out of spring practice. So, I don't, Trent, I don't follow a ton of JUCO recruiting. Is it normal for a JUCO All-American not to get offers? Yeah. Because yeah. it sounds like he works hard. Other stuff I'm reading, he's a pretty quiet guy, so you know the coaches love that. Sure. Why if, and everybody now is seeing, you know, they're comparing him to Fred Russell, who was awesome. I loved watching that guy play. I loved watching that guy play. If he's even close to that, hell yes, he deserves a scholarship. I, I don't understand if you're a Juco All-American, you can't even get a, a D1 offer now? He had Louisville sniffing around him back around signing time. That fell through. Another thing you wonder is, was it a case? But his body's put together. He's already gone up against greater competition than all the high school kids. Why would you? I don't get it. I'm not, what am I missing with these coaches? We got a Duke All-American, a kid that works hard, that's quiet, is Fred Russell-like. Why would you not give him a scholarship? What am I missing there? And that's a good college you went to, right? They've had plenty of D1 guys come out of there. Oh, yeah. It wasn't uh, something where this guy was missed, that he was playing for you know program in the middle of nowhere that nobody knows anything about. Iowa Western's perennial. Yeah, they're good. One of the best JUCO programs in the country. So, yeah, I, I think you're exactly right with that and kind of wondering, fell through the cracks? Did, did Was there some academic work that he needed to complete first? I think that's a question that you have to look at, too. It is weird, though. No, you're, you're exactly right. How a Sunbelt team didn't give an offer. How he didn't have an offer from even a 1AA program that he, that he was going to go to, an FCS program, and take a shot there. It's odd. I'll, I'll agree with you there. And then, Trent, I do love IKM. I, I loved him last year, and it sounds like he's coming on and the coaches are seeing it and whatever faith he's building in them. But I see something in him. I really like him. I haven't seen enough of Torn Young. I know I like him and other people like him. I love watching IKM run as well. It seems like we've got a back that could do a little bit of something with three of those guys. We, should, we need to have a better run game this year. Um, I guess my concern, I think your concern is, I'm trying to think of what my biggest concern is. It probably shouldn't be, but it is for some reason. I want our offensive line to be good. Mm-hmm. And especially this first game with both tackles missing. Right. I'm trying to look at it as, as a positive that we're not going to have those guys. We're going to build depth. But that's me assuming we're going to beat Northern Illinois, which I'm not assuming and wasn't even assuming before we lost those two guys and two other guys on the D-line. So now I don't know what to think, Trent. 
I was already worried about that game before. Now we got four guys suspended that we're going to make big time contributions. The homer in me says, "Oh, good. We'll get. We're going to you know develop some depth. We're going to get to see these young guys when the popcorn. You can smell the popcorn. The crowds, the lights are bright. All that stuff. And I get that. But the other side of me goes, "We got to play Northern Illinois. Then when we bring back these guys, their first game is Iowa State. We all know how good Iowa State is. Then when other when the other part of the nation thinks they suck, well, we always had to struggle with the Iowa State." Now, this year, everybody actually respects Iowa State. So I don't, it's a little worrisome, Trent. Hey, one more thing. I'm a Kai Sergeant. You know where he's from? Illinois? No, he's an Illinois, a uh, Florida kid, excuse me, from Key West. How'd you like to live in Key West growing up? Not bad. That's not a bad <laughs> gig. I'm, I'm sure his, uh, his first two years a little bit different coming from Key West and living in Council Bluffs and going to Iowa Western. That's probably why he's so quiet. He's in shock. Like, what is this? How did I get here? <laughs> where, where, remember where I used to live, how beautiful it was? Remember how it was sunny, full-time, 365? Right. Now I'm in a place that nobody even knows where it is on the map. Well, anyway, let me just be quiet and work hard. I get him. I like it. Hey, another question I had about this team. The interior, they ran the ball, especially for a kid's day early in practice. You know, Wolfgang, every year we hear the same thing. Well, you know, the defense is always a lot further along than the offense. At least at times they were able to run the football more effectively, didn't take a lot of shots throwing the football. That was a, a good thing, but then I kind of went the other way, and I took a look at it from the other side. All right, They're running the football, and it's early in camp. Iowa wasn't very good against the run last year, and when Iowa is great... When I was competing for Big Ten titles, when I was going to January Bowl games, those are the years it starts on the defensive end and stopping the run. Still a little bit concerned there, and of course they're going to be without two of their defensive tackles in game number one with Cedric Gladmore and Brady Reef out there. Kind of looking at it from the other perspective, that did concern me a little bit, and we know about the new linebacking crew. Isn't that funny? We'll, we'll find a way, and listen, I'm not bashing you at all. I'm not bashing you. I love your take there. That's very interesting. But we can find a way to piss and moan about everything. Now yeah, we're complaining because yeah. we had a running game. Listen to us. Right. Seriously, yeah. you cannot please us. <laughs> and I admit that. I, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror right now. You cannot please me, Kirk Ferentz, <laughs> Iowa program, or any of my favorite teams, no matter what you do. If you're good at offense and practice, I will bash your defense. If you're good at defense, I'll say we suck at offense. Sure. That's what we do as fans. We're fanatics. We like this. But, yes, Trent, it's actually a great take. And I – there's a reason that that's been said that the defense is always ahead of the offense. Every I've been going to spring games since I was six. Not everyone, not every single one, but back in the day when they put thirty thousand there, low thirties or something like that, you bring in a can good back in the day. Yep. Um, but it's it's pretty much true, especially since Kirk's. I'm trying to think with when Hayden was there. I can't really remember, but since Kirk's been here, the defense pretty much is always ahead of the offense. Yeah. And I don't know what to make of this stuff anymore. What was the year? The year before Iowa went, so the year before 2015, the spring before 2015, Mm -hmm. CJB's undefeated uh, regular season year. Do you remember that in Kinnick? Did you go to that? Yeah, I I remember it. I remember the spring practice over here. They couldn't block. I mean, Drew Ott, they they couldn't run anything with Drew Ott on the field because they couldn't block him. Anytime they would do any kind of passing uh, opportunity, he would just be in the backfield, and, well, this team has no shot. They're going to be awful. It was coming down the heels yeah, of the 4-8 and eight year. Up in Kinnick for that, yeah, before the 2015 year, I guess that would have been the spring practice game, whatever it was. I remember it not being good weather or anything. We were sitting around the 
the end zone or something for some reason. I'm sitting there looking at this going, oh, my God, what a long season this is going to be. Look how bad we are. We suck. I don't know if he's just talking issues or whatever where the defense moves up. I don't know what they're doing. All I'm saying is my eyeballs were sitting there going, we look like we suck. And then we go undefeated. Yeah. It's, I, I don't know what to make of it. So now when I watch this stuff or hear this stuff or see this stuff, it makes me think, well, what situations are these coaches putting the players in? I mean, are they trying certain things? Are they, do they know what's happening? Are they calling the play out loud so everybody knows? All right, you know the play? Stop it. I don't know, man. But it's so that 2015 year, I have never been more wrong in my damn life other than last year's basketball team. <laughs> yeah, when we were both way wrong on that. Luckily, a lot of people were wrong on that one. Hey, one thing I wanted to also bring up before we run out of time. We're talking with Wolfgang here on 1700. Wolfgang, small senior class this year, and I was looking at the guys that are in the depth chart. There's 12 of them, 12 seniors in the depth chart. Of mm-hmm. those 12, I believe, and this is just off of memory here, but I think only five of these guys started as scholarship players. And again, this is... Wow. Depending on what side you look at it, you can. So you're talking about the two deeps? Is that what you mean? Yep, yep. Guys that are in the two deeps, but I believe out of this group, Parker Hesse, Jack Hockaday, Matt Nelson, Keegan Render, and Ross Reynolds. Those five were scholarship guys coming out of high school, and the other seven: Sam Brinks, Nick Easley, Dalton Ferguson, Kyle Gronewig, Jake Gervas, Austin Kelly, and Miguel Racinos. I believe those seven guys were all walk-ons. This is what what, is this? This t- you want to take the take, hey, this is great, look at this walk-on program, what they do, or you take the other side of it and say, maybe you have some concerns here about senior leadership, you don't have a big class here, where are the leaders going to come from? You're really not talking about star players on that side. A couple of good players, certainly, in Hesse and Render and Reynolds and Nelson, but we're not talking about stars here. What side of it would you look at? I look at it as, um, and I understand, you want the scholarship players, you want to be able to see them in high school, the guys that you know are mature, both physically, mentally, ready to come in, do academics, ready to come in here and be good teammates in the weight room, not getting into trouble. And I understand that. You want that. But you can't always spot that when the guys are 17. I mean, you think you can? I mean, we, Iowa does a pretty damn good job. I, I don't know that too many programs can do develop players like Iowa does. Just give me, I don't care. I don't care if the damn walk-ons. I don't care. They wouldn't be on the team if they weren't good enough right now, and they wouldn't be good enough if they weren't in the 2D. And a lot of those players that, that you mentioned, Trent, I like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like a lot of those players. So just give me the players. Make sure they're good enough now. I don't care what they were four years ago. I don't care what they were at 17. I care what they are at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. That's what I care. If you came the hard way like uh, Baker Mayfield, you know, getting a scholar, uh, you know, having to walk on, or if you did it like so, like Dallas Clark having to walk on, or so many of our walk ons, or guys that were only freaking recruited by Temple or Miami of Ohio or South Dakota State. I don't care what you were like when you were seventeen. I care about what you are right right now. That's I want you leading the Iowa to the Big Ten uh, championship, not uh, your high school in South Dakota. That's what I care about. I don't care about beating. Uh, you know that Seth Benson. The only other offer he had was South Dakota State. I love the fact that everybody's wowed with what they're seeing right now from Seth Benson, a guy that nobody else wanted, and Iowa saw something in. That's what I care about, what they are right now. Junior class is stacked, and uh, maybe this will be a team that is a year away. The other, and again, I'm giving you both sides of this, though. 
many times when you're kind of pointing to that next year, team surprise a year early, in fact, you go to 2009. That was one of those seasons. People were talking about, well, 2010 is the year. They stepped forward in 2009. A lot of people talked about that with 2015. 2016 is when they were going to be really good. Well, it turned out to be 2015. Could be looking at something here. Schedule has something to do with that. Iowa's schedule, they only get one of the big four from the East this year. That's a good break. Wisconsin's going to be good. Penn State will be Penn State. And Iowa State's a lot better than in past seasons. We know that. But uh, all these things all come together. And Wolfgang, we're getting ever so close. 19 days away from kickoff. Oh, baby, it's on. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's almost here. It wasn't as long as the summer as I thought it was going to be. But have we decided, Trent, because we, we kind of talked about this, hashed this out a few weeks ago. Are we are we picking Iowa in the top ten to finish in the top ten or out of the top twenty five? With extra pick, I have not. My pick okay, will come you're, up. You're going to save that. We're going to let that marinate. It, yep, it'll come up on game week. Now, Wolfgang, I told you throughout this summer, and when you do this every day, you feel like you kind of are heading in a certain direction when you're going to make your official predictions. <laughs> yeah, I was trending toward that top end. I was trending to ten and two type season. Okay. The last two weeks, that has pulled back. I've, I'm starting to pull back from that. Middling year or great year. As it sits today here on August 14th, I'm pulling back to middling. <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. I can't wait to hear where you're going now. That may change. I like that. I like that it's fluid situations, right? We wouldn't want, you know, take in more information as you get it. Yes. If guys, if you just studied it and you're worried about a game, mm-hmm. if you hear more about another program, people getting hurt that you might have had a loss, now you feel better about Iowa beating. That's what you're supposed to do, Trent. That's how it's supposed to be done. Try to do it every day. You're allowed day. to change your mind, man. You're allowed to change your mind. Evolving. Constantly evolving. Don't stick by your takes just because they were your takes. Look, observe, watch, listen, do it all. And at the end, well, I'll be proven wrong probably regardless of what happens. But we will do that in a couple of weeks. Wolfgang. And I'll point that out, Trent. I'll point oh, that out. I, Don't you worry. I know that. I know that very well. You be good down there in Oklahoma. We'll talk again soon, all right? All right. See you, Trent. Bye-bye. Wolfgang checking in with us. Give a follow on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. We're presented by New Leaf Wellness on Westtown Parkway in West Des Moines. You're looking to get in better shape, lose weight, feel better. Maybe you're a workout warrior, but you've just had a plat- hit a plateau. It happens as you get older. New Leaf Wellness can help you with that and a whole lot more. Check them out online. New Leaf Wellness is where you can find more information. They're located on Westtown Parkway. Great staff. Dr. Seaman does a wonderful job. Or just give him a call, 650-1358. That's 650-1358 for New Leaf Wellness as we get the break. Back with more here in a moment. All right, welcome back as we continue on here with you until 6 o'clock tonight. Time to talk some football with one of our good friends, Seth Gruen. You see his work at Bleacher Report. He hosts the Big Ten Unfiltered Podcast, and he joins us here today. Seth, what's a good word? Yeah, not too much. Gearing up for college football season here. It's right around the corner. and Personally, my favorite time of year. It's great. And uh, we always have the argument, you know, what's the best month in the sports calendar? Very difficult to argue with October. You, of course, have football in full swing. we got baseball in the playoffs going on. NHL, NBA is starting up. We're on the cusp of college basketball. Very good one, no doubt. And uh, certainly up there towards the forefront we're getting closer and closer to that time. Hey, before we get into the football, just a couple of quick things on baseball. As uh, watching today, Jose Quintana again struggled in the game against Milwaukee. 
a conversation that I've been having. You, Darvish, through a simulated game today, appears to be on track, but I don't think any Cubs fan certainly can hope on for him. If Quintana continues to struggle like he has, could Mike Montgomery be the fourth starter for the Cubs in the playoffs? Entirely possible. I mean, I think Montgomery has shown you uh, that he's a very capable starter. He's filled in really, really well in that rotation. In the absence of Darvish, and I think certainly he might ultimately be a victim of his versatility, uh, wherein he's got value uh, as a high leverage reliever as well, and they may see that um, as being more important. We certainly know the value of the bullpen in October. Um, that said, I think you can make an argument for that, certainly on the basis of his play alone, but again, it's about moving the pieces around and putting, putting the best roster out there, which may ultimately putting Mike Montgomery in the bullpen. I think we also have to consider the fact that you know, the Cubs rotation is struggling certainly earlier in the year, but uh, definitively all year under Walmart uh, may have passed the bullpen a little bit, and that playoff teams don't really feel that until the end of the year. You don't see that until the end of the year. Um, so that also may be a consideration depending on where the bullpen arms are at, and that's one of the things that we as people in the sports media and fans never really know. Um, on a day-to-day basis, there could be a guy who's just unavailable because his arm doesn't feel all that good in the bullpen. Uh, bullpen pitchers are uh, certainly a unique breed, um, and that they can pitch multiple days in a row. I it, but at the same time, uh, it's certainly a commodity in sports that's difficult to manage. You know, Seth, another thing I wanted to get into, the Cardinals continue to play good baseball. Ridiculous comeback last night, and that Nationals bullpen gives up another one. But Carlos Bart- Martinez, he's making his way back. It has been an injury-plague season for what many people anticipated was going to be the ace out of this Cardinals staff. But they're sending him to the bullpen. It obviously take a, a rehab start probably to get him back acclimated. Are you surprised with the move the Cardinals are making here? It's surprisingly creative, that's for sure. I think when you talk about, and we've seen this with Clinton Kershaw too coming back late in the year, when you talk about the amount of time it takes to get a guy fully stretched out. And I'm talking about stretched out to the point where he can go with his game because that's really what you... You know, you, you look for near-complete games, seven, eight-inning outings. Um, it's a calculated move. It's, it's a creative move, and certainly I think that gets him back to, you know, throwing some impact innings off the bat. Obviously, there's less of that time um, when you're coming out of the bullpen. So it's an interesting move. I think it's creative, and I think it's, it's really on brand for the Cardinals, too. Find ways to win, and obviously um, that's a creative one that, that could pay dividends down the road. Talk with Seth Gruen here from baseball. Let's get into the football. And Seth, uh, when we talked last time, I gave you a little bit of a homework assignment. I know you're much like myself. You like to dabble in the sports wagering market. And uh, the over-under totals are out in the Big Ten. Iowa 7.5, some other of the big names out there. Ohio State at 10.5. You got... Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, they're all at 9, Wisconsin at 10, and then everybody else that trickles down from there in the Big Ten. Was there a, a team or two that jumped off the page and something you'd be looking at making a wager in the win totals in the Big Ten? Yeah, I think Iowa's poised for a big year, and we've talked about that a lot. Um, but when you consider the schedule, and I know they get Wisconsin early, I think over on that total, 
uh, could be one to look at for sure. Um, I think Ohio State could run the table this year. I, I really mm. believe that. I think that they're super talented. Um, obviously, you know, they need to figure out that off-the-field situation with Urban Meyer, certainly, and you never know, regardless of how that plays out, how that may follow them over the course of the year. But those are two that really jumped out at me um, when you texted those over to me. Wisconsin's a team that, although I like them, I'm certainly as a futures bet more than looking at the over-under because they do have a couple of tough games. Uh, I think that they could get to the Big Ten Championship game undefeated. I think that that's a possibility, but I like them better as right now a 30-1 play on the national to win the national championship because there's value there, and again, we've talked about it. They don't need to hoist that trophy at the end of the year in January. All they need to do is basically get to Indianapolis, and that gives you an opportunity to hedge. So, you know, strategically, when you talk about betting strategy and whatnot, I think Wisconsin's probably the better play in terms of those national championship odds. Because, again, you have to look at that win total, too, and you figure if they go over on that total, um, that they're getting Indianapolis anyways, and that puts them in position to make that college football playoff. So you've got to look with a lot of these prop bets at the greatest value, and you know what the over-under pays. It doesn't pay that much, uh, comparatively, obviously, to a 30-to-1 shot. Um, so there's more value to me in that national championship pick. And then, of course, if you think Wisconsin is going to fall short of that mark, that's an entirely different conversation. But I think, uh, given the schedule, you probably want to stay away from betting on that. Well, we uh, will turn our attention to the football field coming up here as we are just over two weeks away from the opener of the Big Ten, Purdue hosting Northwestern in game number one. Should be a lot of fun. Hey, as always, Seth, great catching up with you. Thank you so much for your time today. All right, thanks, Sean. Seth Gruen checking in. Find him on the Big Ten Unfiltered podcast. Does great work over there and joining us here today on the program. With that, thank you again to Seth for joining us. We are out of here. Finished up for today. Back at it tomorrow starting at noon. Normally myself and Ken Miller. Ken, though, on a little work-related trip. He will be joining us, though, at some portion of the program. David Kaplan will also be by in the noon hour. Local sports talk over your lunch hour from noon until 2. And then on your drive home here, Jimmy B and TC. We've got a busy one lined up tomorrow as well. Jimmy B will be back in the fold. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to a fun night in the world of sports tonight. Also, and, uh, well, we had some baseball from earlier today. That was good to see. How about those Brewers keep going? Can the Cardinals stay hot? And HBO's Hard Knocks back at it this evening. Looking forward to that. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in. We'll be back with you tomorrow starting at noon all here on 1700 KBGG. Good night, everybody.